0: I mean, the world is full of 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds who feel frustrated that they're with the wrong boss, that they could be doing something with their life, that they could be doing something amazing, that they could be an entrepreneur, that they should be on the world stage. So it's refreshing, I think, to really kind of like reset and say, hey, you know, Tim Tai Fong, famous, and he only succeeded after his product market fit pivot at the age of 45. It's not a guarantee that everybody deserves to be success. And even if success arrives, it may not be on your schedule that you want may come later after a lot of hard work, after pivoting and a lot of pain. Welcome to Brave. Learn from Southeast Asia's best tech leaders. Build the future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. No BS on success. I'm Jeremy Al, venture capitalist, serial founder, Harvard MBA, sci-fi nerd, and dad of two daughters. Mondays for your weekly tech news debate with Shi Yen Ko, managing partner of Hustle Fund. Wednesdays for interviews of regional changemakers covering both the highs and lows of leadership. Fridays for personal diary insights and listener questions and answers. Join our movement of over 12,000 members for transcripts, analysis and community at www.bravesea.com. NodeFlare is a trusted recruiting partner for startups looking to scale their technology teams. They have a curated pipeline of talent from data scientists to full-stack engineers. Learn about the latest salary trends and benchmark compensation across the region. NodeFlare offers more than 10,000 verified salary data points completely free to employers. Check out www.nodeflare.com today. On 25th March, 2023, the founder of Tai Fong passed away. I was surprised to read about it in the news because I realized that I had no idea who the founder was. His name was Yang Bingyi, and he died 96 years old after an incredible life of pain, pivots, hard work, and eventual success. I wanted to share with you my research about who he was, but also my reflections on his journey and what it means for me, and also the questions I wish I could have asked him, actually, because there's so many things we don't know about him. Today, Everybody knows about Din Fung. It's an award-winning restaurant chain famous for soup dumplings. The food is great. It has more than 170 locations across Taiwan, China, the United States, Japan, Australia, UAE, and more. The Hong Kong brunch has been awarded the Michelin Star over five times. The food is excellent, and turns out my wife also really loves the food. We go there so often that I often joke that my first kid is half made of tin tai feng and the other half is made of oatmeal. In fact, I hardly go to tin tai feng myself because I know that I'm going to get dragged along by her to go there. And I go there and I still enjoy the food because the service is consistent, everything is awesome and efficient, and the food is consistently good, especially, of course, the si bao, as well as all of the other you know, appetizers and meals around it. You can get in fast, you can get out fast, and experience is always consistent whether you're eating in Singapore or in America or wherever it is. had always thought that Din Tai Fong was a Taiwanese food brand. That's correct. But Bing Yi was actually born in China in the Shanxi province at the year of 1927, 23rd March. That's kind of crazy if you think about it because 1927 was before World War II, right? And the Civil War. So much had happened between 1927 today. He moved to Taiwan when he was age 21 due to the civil war as a refugee, as a single male who would have been targeted, profiled, and drafted or even killed due to you know, his status as a single male right, of military age. He took his first job at a cooking oil store called Heng Tai Fong, and he would work there for 10 years. He was a delivery man, he handled shop accounts, and he handled inventory. In fact, he even found love there, and he married Miss Lai, a co-worker, in 1955, at the age of 28. In 1958, at the age of 31, he decided to lodge Din Tai Fong, and it was selling not dumplings, but cooking oil. In fact, Din Tai Fong was a tribute to their former workplace, Hung Tai Fong, that had closed, as well as Din Mei Oils, which was their oil supplier. Din referred to the traditional Chinese cooking vessel, and Tai represented peace and abundance. They worked their ass off for 14 years. They sold peanut oil in bottles, which was a solid business until something happened. The market changed. Vegetable oils became packaged in tin containers, and this became the primary way that consumers bought oil. In 1972, the couple who were aged 45, unfortunately had to figure out something else. So they decided to convert half of the store to sell peanut oil in bottles. The other half started selling xiaolongbao, the steam soup dumplings that they're famous for today. And crazily enough, this is the thing that became really popular, that Tintai Phong became super popular for the soup dumplings, and they eventually pivoted entirely and only focused on selling food. 21 years later, in 1993, when they were age 66, they were still selling in Taiwan. And for the first time, they received a 300-word review in the New York Times by an Asian chef that spotlighted them as a top-notch table to eat at. And that's when they became, in some weird way, famous on a slightly global stage. In 1996, They opened their first ever international location at the age of 69. They opened up their first US location in 2000 when he was age 73. And he passed away in 2023, um, two days after his birthday. So what do I think? I think it's kind of crazy because He went through, like I said, the local civil war that was interrupted by the Japanese invasion, then another Japanese invasion, and then the civil war kicked off again, and then he had to move to Taiwan. As a young man, he saw people dying, he saw people being drafted, he saw relative fight relative, he saw friend fight friend, he saw multiple changes of government. In many ways, his story is, of course, unique, and yet it also represents, in many ways, the diaspora, in the 1900s, where people left China in search of peace, a job, and a place to be at. The second thing that resonates with me is building a company of his own at the age of 31. I love the fact that he built a company that acknowledged the legacy, right, of his old boss that he loved by marrying the name of you know his two former business partners at the shop that he was employee at and making it into his own company name. In many ways, it's kind of crazy because I'm in my mid-30s now and I can imagine what it's like to be 31, setting up your own business with your wife. Can you imagine what it was like to build something new at that time? And to work their ass off and then to be slammed by the market reality of nobody wanting to buy peanut oil in bottles. And so you have to pivot at 45. I mean, who wants to be working from 31 to 45 on an idea that you have and then suddenly the business stops and then you have to pivot? The third thing that struck me, of course, was that success of what we see of him today came so late in his life, right? It came at the age of 45, where they eventually kind of landed on the winning idea of Xiaolongbao. And yet, he will only be recognized at the age of 66 by the press, right? By the New York Times. And then from there, the restaurant started growing in terms of a really aggressive international expansion plan. You know, what I take away from this is that, you know, success is not really linear. It comes, it goes, it's here, it's there. Can you imagine being a time machine, going back to when he was age 31 and telling him, hey, your peanut oil business is terrible, but you're going to land on the right idea at the age of 45? 14 years later, he would be like, yeah, is there a way I can skip the next 14 years of pain and anxiety and try and figure shit out and just go straight to seem, you know, salon Bao straight away, right? So that impatience, that frustration, the anxiety of knowing whether you're on the right track or not, I mean, that's something that I really empathize with. And I also hear the stories of so many folks. I mean, the world is full of 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds who feel frustrated, right? That they're with the wrong boss, that they could be doing something with their life, that they could be doing something amazing, that they could be an entrepreneur, that they should be on the world stage. So it's refreshing, I think, to really kind of like reset and say, hey, you know, Din Fong, famous, and he only succeeded after his product market fit pivot at the age of 45. It's not a guarantee that everybody deserves to be success. In fact, the world is filled with far more failure than success. And even if success arrives, it may not be on your schedule that you want. It may come later after a lot of hard work, after pivoting, and a lot of pain. The second thing I think about, of course, is I think the importance of family. Throughout the story, actually, you know, his children actually really started growing the business, right? And so I think there's an official timeline of Tai Fong about him and his success. But we do know that his son became the chairman in the 1990s, which was a period where they were starting to really accelerate and change their strategy. So what's interesting is actually, how do we untangle what did he do? What did his wife do? What did his son do? And how did they work together to make the Din Tai Fung formula happen? What was the iteration? What was their approach? How did they change the way they manufactured, the way they cooked, the way they you know got stuff done? Now, all these are questions that we don't really know the answer to because... Nobody asked him. He was relatively low profile in terms of media. And, you know, his family has not really shared too much about their story. The third thing I think about is really the importance of consistency and perseverance in the context of luck. When we look at it from a biography perspective, we often look at when they were recognized by New York Times as the moment they made it, you know, when he was age 66, as the moment where there was an infection point. I think it's easy because I think it's easily dated. It's obviously a brand name. So we look at the review in 1993 as the luck, right? The moment that spotlighted it and put them on the global stage. But if you read the review, it's talking about how good the food was and how consistent the food was. In other words, it was more about people recognizing the quality of his work. And his work was being high quality, consistent, and perseverance in a high standard of food quality. Everybody knows that the food business is a hard business, right? It's hard to keep consistent. The margins are low. It's a lot of work, right? Running a restaurant is not like a white collar job where you're working on a computer and doing research and getting used to ChatGPT. No, you got to go into restaurant and bake dumplings. So for me, what I take away from this is that you know success is not linear. It's not on your calendar. It comes when it comes, and it's often the fruit of hard work. Secondly. I think about the importance of family and how having a great co-founder in life called you know a spouse, having great children and being able to work with them are all important parts to not just building a business, but also building a legacy. Lastly, I think about how we often think about luck being mentioned, the press, the accolades as being the things that create the opportunity. Yet the opportunity actually only emerges because you've been working your ass off for so many years, right? So here are the questions that I wish I could ask him if he was still around. What was it like to be born in China during the war? Was it scary to make a decision to move to Taiwan? Was it a no-brainer? Were you scared for your life? Did you feel it was a better opportunity? How did you make a decision to move to a new country? When you moved to a new country called Taiwan, how did you find your job? Why did you decide to stay at a job called Hung Tai Fong doing cooking oil and selling it? Did you wish to do more? Why did you marry Miss Lai, a co-worker? When her typhoon closed, you made a decision to set up Tin typhoon. What other opportunities were you evaluating, like being an employee somewhere else, or doing another job, or working for someone else? Were you scared setting up a new company at the age of 31? What was it like to be supporting a family during that time? When vegetable oils and tin corniness started becoming popular, when did you know it started to be a problem for your business? How did you make the decision to pivot your company and start selling Xiaolongbao? Why sell Xiaolongbao out of all foods? How did you as a couple sell Xiaolongbao in half the shop and the other half on oil? How did you keep the food quality good when you small? What was it like to work for 21 years without being recognized, but to grow a growing business? How did it feel to start handing over your business to your son? What stories did you share with your children? Were you happy to see Tintai Feng spread to 170 locations? Or were you focused on some other metric? When you look back on your life, what regrets do you have? What were the bravest moments of your life? What advice would you give to teenagers these days? What advice would you give to people who have lost their jobs and to think of something new? What hopes do you have for your children? What fears do you have for your children? Those are many questions, and we don't have the answers to them. Yet, in many ways, the questions are more interesting than answers. I would love to see a movie like they did for McDonald's or KFC and Wendy's and you know, all these... Fast food entrepreneurs, American models, dynamism, backdrop, social and cultural change. I mean, I would love to see, I don't know, a movie of Din Fung, right? A business of wit and perseverance and hard work. Then you don't have to watch The Social Network for Mark Zuckerberg or We Crash for WeWork. I want to see that movie where he's like old AF and he's like cutting up the store and starting to sell you know, dumplings on the side and making the fold at the age of 45. I mean, what kind of story is that? 45? I don't know. I mean, I kind of wish I was rich and, you know, on my way to retirement at 45, right? I wouldn't want to be going through a business pivot. And yeah, the story about family, right? It's such a great story. I mean, I want to see this on the screen and I want to see delicious food in the background. I want to see A24 produce this film and I want Michelle Yeoh to be the wife, aging gracefully. I want those slow motion camera shots of the dumplings, no steaming away. Hey, somebody make that movie, okay? (laughs) Yeah, I think it would be a great book to write, right? So yeah, that's about it. On that note, stay brave and eat more dumplings. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We would also appreciate you leaving a rating or review. Head over to www.bravesea.com for member content, resources, and community. Stay well and stay brave.